Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. This episode number 327 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 welcome bonus, 327. Welcome everybody in. I'm your host, Steve Forney, alongside Mark Allred, as always. Mark, how are you? How you been? What's new? What's the latest? Good. Doing good, Steve. Uh, glad to see you. Glad to have you back And uh, after your family vacay up in Vermont. Um, we had fun with the live stream yesterday, uh, last week. Had a lot of people, a lot of interactions, um, you know, gearing up for the uh, the playoffs, and which we'll talk about later on. But yeah, it was a good week. And just, um, I mean, it, it's been like a roller coaster for uh, the Boston Bruins fandom and their emotions. But, you know, it's not that bad, but we'll talk about it later on. But a great week. Uh, nonetheless, but uh, how was your week, sir? Uh, I was on vacation this week from school. Uh, here it is Sunday, and I'm I'm kind of uh, I could use a break from my children. I think I'm ready to go back to school and deal with uh, high school kids rather than my own. Um, <laughs> but you know that's what happened. But no, we you know we went to Six Flags and we went to Vermont and we went to museums and we packed everything we could into a ten day vacation for the kids. So. That's what it's all about, nice. you know what I'm saying? So, oh yeah, um, did get a chance to watch uh, watch all three playoff games, which is awesome. Although Saturday uh, was it Saturday's game uh, or Friday? The one they lost Friday. No, um, oh, no oh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh right, it was Wednesday. I got thrown off because we had a Thunderbirds game, so I had the, the T Birds game, which they lost, and they're out of the playoffs now, which sucks. Uh, and then I put the Bruins game on at I don't know 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. It was up till one in the morning watching it. So. 
Uh, although about five three, I said this is I've had enough. You know, you turn that one off. But um, real quick, I'm, I'm I'm sort of annoyed that the Thunderbirds lost to the Wolfpack because uh, the Rangers called up, decided to call up their starting goalie and their two best players, and that's you know you know how it is, Mark. What a just what a dick move to do that to your minor league organization to to just they took Louis Doming just to be on you know on the practice practice team. And I thought it just, it's just such a dick move. So I, I guess I'm happy for the Wolfpack. They were able to do it anyway. But, you know, I, I just I can't imagine. I know Bussy, I think, is still up with Boston. But, man, I just I hate when teams do that to their minor league club right before the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like bring a guy up that's going to be you know, like your third emergency guy that, you know, is a veteran and so on. And I know Louis Domingue is a veteran as well, but he's one of the better goaltenders down. So yeah, I don't I don't understand the tactics of that, um, and I know Brandon Bussey is up with the Bruins right now, but I mean Providence doesn't start till next Friday. They, they've been on like a 12, 12 game twelve day break, uh, waiting for a for a second round opponent because they had the bye. But we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, looks like today they're uh, they're going to practice. They're going to do a, a scrimmage against themselves, which is probably yeah. a good thing to do. Um, but anyway, uh, we had a, a lots to talk about across the NHL. Um, you know, I think I'd like to start with our body, uh, Dom Tiano, who went a little bit viral. And, and I, you know, I, I think maybe I think a part of it is that the Bruins never really had that massive losing streak this year that let the fans get all cranky and, and out of sorts. It was all, you know, sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. And then they lose and everybody sort of collectively lost their mind uh, earlier this week in the playoffs. So. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about Bergeron and I know Ty Anderson said that he was sick. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. It does look like he is injured in some way, shape or form. No, you know, no offense to Ty, who I think does a fantastic job. Um, but people started losing their mind about Patrice Bergeron and then Dom gave us some information that I think is really important to the situation, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and this is exactly what he said because, um, and, and it all strived from, um, Bergeron playing one period in the Montreal game in the last game of this of this um, of the regular season, and people not knowing exactly what what was going on with Patrice and his family uh, just kind of went really bad on the narrative and and you know Colin selfish um, he could have played it doesn't matter what's going on with his family and so on but. This was Dom's reaction because it, it was it it did it went viral and he's absolutely right. But he said Patrice Bergeron's father is battling cancer. He wanted to play in front of his father in Montreal for possibly the last time. He even wanted to go back out there after he went to the room. I'm told that doesn't matter. Shouldn't have played. Wow, I'm stunned and at a loss for words. So the fan base kind of reacted a little from the shooting from the hip on this one, but when it came out. Um, and, and people, a lot of people like myself, Dom and Kevin O'Keefe, we talked during the off season in a private meeting. Uh, and it, this was talked about. This is one of the reasons why Patrice Bergeron is, is waiting so long to uh, re-sign a contract with the Boston Bruins for another year. He, he was making his family more of a priority than the sport. And I could, I, I absolutely love that in Patrice Bergeron. Um, because he's got morals, you know, and he's got good ones. He's looking out for his family above himself. And I'm sorry, but fans just absolutely overreacted about that. 
Um, and I'm actually shocked that a lot of people didn't know this because of the fact is that we talked about this on the program back on uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Day when Patrice Bergeron says, I fight for my father. That's when the ice broke and we were all, Kevin, me and Dom, all were able to say what exactly we talked about during the offseason when he was still negotiating a contract and dealing with, you know, uh, the, the sudden news of a father you know, having cancer. So just that sometimes his fan base can be absolutely freaking toxic. You know what I mean? And and they just don't think about other things, but the sport. And and that's really sad. And um, it's just a, a, just a terrible narrative that I, I absolutely hated. And I even came back and just said, you know, I kind of quote tweeted it and said that, you know, in real life, what what if this was your parent? What would you do? Would you just toss your parent to his side and not give a shit and just want to go on with your day? I mean, that's that's what I read out of some of these comments that were saying. And another thing is like the fan base is so toxic. It's like the Boston Bruins could put, could put up like a children's cancer thing, like a fundraiser, and some fucking asshat will be in the comment somewhere and say, "Who cares? Sign pasta." You know, it's it's just that shit that really freaking bothers me about this fan base. And, I, and I'm not saying it's everybody. We have some very intelligent listeners and, and viewers that watch this program on a week to week basis. But there is that that minute little freaking, you know, section of this fan base that just loves chaos and just throws shit online just to see if it sticks. And and I absolutely hate it. So sorry for the rant and, and no, the, no, it's, you know, starting this off, but it's just, it's just so bad, man. Well, and I mean, it's not, the, I know it's not the same thing, but you know, when my dad had cancer and I was still announcing for the Bruins, you know, he was at, he was at mass general or bring him in women's. Uh, what is it? Mass general bring him now, I guess he yeah. was there. Uh, you know, it was a seven o'clock game. He was going in for surgery at eight o'clock. It was like a, like a, hopefully a life-saving surgery. And I was not ready to leave that hospital. I wasn't going to leave his side. And he said, no, get out of here, go to the game. So I did. I got my car. I drove to the garden. I did the game while he was in the middle of a life or death surgery for, for cancer. So like, maybe that's a part of it too, is it's not just on him. It's when you're, when you're a family member that's in that situation, you, you, um, you take what they say and how they want you to handle it. You know, we handle things our own way, but if if somebody's laying there in that hospital bed and they say, you know, you go play this game, you go work this, you go do your thing, you go be with your family, then that's what you do. So, yep. you know, to, to sort of just, the selfish thing is, is, is bad. And again, like you said with the fan base, attention to detail. I mean, when they had the video and he held up that I fight for sign with his dad, how many people like connected the dots, put two and two together. How many people even noticed what the sign said? Like, wake up a little bit, like attention to detail. Um, yep. and, and like you said, that's, I, 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 you know, we talked about it a little bit off the air too. Um, a lot earlier, you gave me that information that Dom had. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, it all makes sense now. Like it just, it, it all makes sense. Like the anger and the vitriol, Again, if I didn't know that, if we didn't know this, I would I would maybe have the same reaction. Like, why is this guy in the game? I still say the same thing about Marshan. I don't know why Marshan played so much down the stretch. Um, but especially to come at a guy who has done so much for this fan base and not just on the ice. Uh, I mean, the, the, the consummate pro and the leader and the captain, everything that you want to come at him for something like this to me is just, it's ludicrous. And 
yeah, I, I, I have a hard time dipping into the con into the comments on social media because I know it's a, it's a cesspool down there. It's gross. Um, but I hope that a guy like Bergeron isn't looking at those comments. You know, I hope he understands that again, the the 92% of the fan base knows, knows what, what the right answer was, what the right move was and and doesn't feel that way as, as the other 8%. So, um, you know, having said all that, you know, how bad is this injury? I wish we sort of knew more about it. I, I've heard, People, you know, uh, Dan Roach from, uh, where is he? At w, uh, BZ? B, WBZ. Um, you know, he's been down there with his photographer getting videos of practice. And it, again, I can't tell if it's a, an elbow, a back, a shoulder, legs. I, I don't, it, it seems like an upper body injury, but it seems like it's affecting his skating. So that's why I get nervous about a back. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, Based on what we've seen, do you consider rushing him back at all, or do you just kind of roll with what, with what's been going on? Because it looked pretty good in Game Three. Listen, I, I first and foremost, I'm a big, huge Jim Montgomery fan, but lately, I'm not understanding what he's being relayed to us and the media. Um, you know, because for the longest time, it was we were all led down the path of Patrice Bergeron's probably going through the same stomach bug that. A lot of NHL locker rooms are going through right now. It's a t- change of seasons and so on. And I, I actually thought that that was it. And 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 a lot of people were reporting on that. Articles were being written about a stomach bug and Patrice is going to be okay. But then yeah, Omar, sudden, Omar had it, right? Somebody was like, oh, yeah, Omar's got the stomach bug too. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just crazy because all of a sudden, like a couple of days ago, um, somebody asked uh, – uh, Montgomery is Bergeron still sick? And he goes, Oh no, no, no. He's got an upper body injury. And now it's just changed. So, I mean, all of this could have been like brought back to, he's got an upper body injury and he's not sick. So um, I, I just don't understand the, the, how, how it's being relayed, whether it's a tactic, uh, you know, against your opponent in the postseason and so on, that could be who knows, but um, uh, good news is if the rumors are true and what Montgomery is saying, then they're looking at game five for um, for Patrice Bergeron to come back into the uh, into the lineup, which is going to be a, a welcoming sight. And but hopefully he's uh, healthy enough to do so because we do need some uh, some of that experience in the faceoff dot. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if Montgomery is just not very good uh, with the media, which again is fine. I mean, some of the coaches that are great with I mean Bruce Cassidy was great with the media, maybe not so much in the locker room. Bill Belichick is not very good with the media as we know. So um, maybe he's just kind of got that, uh, you know, when he gets put on the spot and he doesn't know how to answer something, he just kind of blurts out whatever comes to his mind next. I mean, even he was asked a while ago about the goalies in the playoffs before the playoffs even started. And he was very, um, I don't know, just really wishy-washy about the whole thing. And and I, I just, maybe that's it. Maybe he's just not as good with the media as some other guys are. And again, I don't care about that. I mean, he could, as a fan, I don't care if he sits up there and, and sells me a bunch of snake oil um, for the sake of the team and what they're doing. I, yeah, as long as the team is aware of the situation, right? As long as those conversations within the locker room are truthful and thoughtful and open, you know, that's that's really all that, that matters to me. So um, that might just be it. Um, quite honestly, having said that, I, I, I don't even know if, I don't even know if I bring him back for game five. I mean, if they win Sunday, 
and they go up three to one, I don't. I wouldn't bring them back. Um, yeah. I would just. I would just keep them. Leave them on the shelf. And quite frankly, same goes for Krejci. And I know we're going to talk about this. We had a we had a a, a fan send us a message to answer some questions. Oh, shit. The, the beauty of this team, <laughs> the beauty of this team is the depth. And this is why you got Pabal Zaka. This is why you got, um, you know, you have so much depth down the middle. This is why you keep a guy like Trent Frederick who can play, um, who can play different things. Nick Felino can play center. You have guys that can, you can move around to different places um, that can fill those holes. So um, I, both of them, really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend a lot of time rushing them back. Um, and qu- quite frankly, we'll get into Krejci. I, would, I haven't really been all that impressed with this game so far. So maybe that's yeah. because it's a lingering injury, but he hasn't really done anything to me that um, that has warranted to come back other than the fact that he's David Krejci and he's been here forever and blah, 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 blah. Uh, what I saw from Charlie Coyle in game three was outstanding. Um, absolutely outstanding. And if he's going to play like that, then I don't think there's any real need to rush back Krejci. So um, Krejci did uh, – he was taken right out of the lineup Friday right before the puck drop. Uh, again, still questionable for today's game. Um, I don't know, Mark. If he's 50-50, do you play David Krejci today? Uh, geez, I don't, that's a tough one, you know. Um, I What we saw in the lineup the other night on Friday, I just – I would roll with that if he's not going to be around. And I was impressed with the with what uh, Jim Montgomery uh, did with the his lineup in a blender and kind of poured it out there and just kind of, you know, see what happens. Um haven't seen that type of lineup all season, so it was kind of a spur of the moment, but it was effective. I I, I liked it. I thought that the uh, on, on a couple of those lines, the physicality was kind of spread out a little bit, you know, and it, in in um in an effort to uh, kind of compare to uh, the the Panthers' physicality as well. So um, I didn't mind it much at all. And, uh, and I can't find my lineup that I wrote down cause I got so many freaking notes here. So, um, but, uh, this was, uh, Fluto Jinsawa of the athletic. This was his lineup, um, pregame on Friday. So it went Marshan Coyle, Frederick, Batuzi, Zaka, Pasenak, Hall, Krejci, Debrusque, Lauko, Nosek, Hathaway. And uh, the defense pairings were Grizzlick, McAvoy, um, Lindholm, Carlo, Fulbert, and uh, Orloff, Olmach, obviously, in net. But all of a sudden, at the 11th hour, right before puck drop, Krejci is removed, and, you know, things got changed up a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know about that. It's going to be – I, mean, I don't even know about what the lineup's going to look like today. So this afternoon, as the Boston Bruins are in Florida, Sunrise, Florida, to play game four of this uh, first round series. 3.30 puck drop, I think is what I heard. It is, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I and, you know, again, another guy that I've been really impressed with is is Noshik, who I, I don't know what the number is. It's absurd. He's won, like, last game to 12 of 17 faceoff wins or something like that. It's like, if you can get – um if you can get that kind of production uh, on the faceoff dot from your bottom six centers, you're good. I mean, you should be yeah. right. Um, and one thing that it's funny, I keep meaning to bring this up every week, but I, uh, I feel like the last two or three seasons when they get to the playoffs, the referees with Bergeron in particular, give him a really hard time in the faceoff dot. 
And I remember him losing a lot of faceoffs, getting really frustrated in the dot, getting tossed out of the dot a lot. And so I don't know if, if um, you know, that's just something that when he does come back, it will always sort of be in my mind is I feel like it was always um, like Rod Brindamore would always be the one like hammering on the refs because, you know, because Bergeron wasn't following the proper rules or something like that. So um, the fact that the bottom half of the roster can still win those faceoffs especially in their own zone um, to me is, is, is important. And I think that that's something that they should really stick to. And again, having guys on the wings that also play center in case they do get tossed out to me is big. Um, But when we talk about in their own zone um, again, I think this has sort of been one thing we talked about all year. And and again, it's hard to nitpick this team. Um, The turnovers. uh, I'm so glad you wrote this in here because the turnovers have been brutal particularly in their own zone, particularly when they're trying to clear the puck. Um, obviously, Orlov's uh, giveaway, I think that was game one, was absolutely brutal. Um, but they, they they seem to have a hard time clearing the zone. You know, a, a golden opportunity, you know, they can go this way and clear the zone clearly, or they decide to go that way, and then they can't get it out. And it's like, well, why don't you take the Captain Obvious route? Um, what is something that you've noticed uh just with the turnovers and, and the increasing amount of them here in the playoffs. Marshan and Bergeron continue to be just an enigma in this, to- in this topic. Um, Pasternak. Like, yeah, Pasternak and Marshan, yeah. both of them. Um, and, and Orloff too. I mean, and I, and I said something about Orloff about um, him not playing great, but he is playing well. He's getting the assists, getting the points and so on. And on the score sheet, but like that, that that just muffin that he gave to Matt Kachuk in the hash marks for that one goal. I mean, all Mike was looking at a shutout right there, and then bam, it's over. Um, but what I think what frustrates me the most about like a player like David Pasternak, we'll just use him as an example. The other night, he crosses the line, he curls on the boards, and there was no pressure coming at him. Like immediately, he had a second or two to make a decision but he just flops it in the middle of the fucking ice. And then somebody, a, a Florida Panther picks it up and starts transitioning the other way. That's got to stop. Now I can understand as a hockey player and a human mistakes happen. Like if you cross the line, you turn at the boards and you take a look and it, you get like hit and you're being covered hard and you happen to give the puck up because you're getting pressure. Mistakes happen. But when you're not, when there's nobody around, and you're just flopping it into the middle, waiting for another guy to come and get it. It's just it's, it's a recipe of a disaster, and it's got to stop. The this Boston Bruins team would thrived on um, great things all season, record breaking years, and so on. And I understand that these turnovers have been a, an enigma all year, but still, it's got to be tightened up in these types of situations because this is a playoff series when you're playing teams multiple times these are opportunities for other teams to explore video, read the plays and figure out your weaknesses and expose that. If it continues to happen, I don't think this is going to be a very long playoff run. If they just keep giving it to the opposition. Yeah. And in crucial spots. Um, Yeah. You know, an an example is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, who again, I love, and I want this guy re-signed. You know, he's an excellent passer but there have been times where he tries to make that pass and there's nobody there or, you know, um, 
he tries to make a play that just doesn't work out. And that and that happens, right? But, you know, I think Poshnok had one where he had it in the corner of his own zone and he just flung it right to the slot, like, for no reason. And, and again, there was some chaos, and I don't think Florida scored. But, like, what a, why don't they teach you that in, like, midgets? Not to – not in peewees? Not to sling the puck right towards the front of your own net? Like, right. Um, so those are the ones that, that to me, are killers. And um, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's more so from the forwards and the back end. I mean, we're picking on Orlov a little bit. That was bad. Um, but it does, to me, seem to be that the forwards, either in the neutral zone or in their own end, when they just can't get the puck out, they go down down low to try to help they get the puck and they just give it right away again. Um, it's like you said, it's it's going to be it's a problem. And, and uh, they got to figure it out, especially – when now other teams are, you said, breaking down video, um, it's something that they're going to have to work on here. Um, speaking of the defense, uh, Derek Forbert made his return for the series. I don't know. I, I, I it, It's been kind of whatever, I think. Um, we did see Grizzly get back in the lineup, um, although it was Clifton that came out, I believe, right? Um, yeah. If Mark if Mark Allred was putting together his defensive pairings for game four, uh, who plays and who sits? Um, I, I like the idea of getting Matt Grizzlick back into the lineup. Um, you know, why not? I, I know he's not the biggest defenseman and I know people hammer him for that size, but you know, his mobility is important to get the puck out and transition. Um, so I liked him back in the lineup. I would definitely take Forbert out. I wouldn't have taken Clifton out. Uh, if I had a bottom pairing and if I was the coach, I would have loved the other night to see a Clifton and Orloff uh, pandemonium. You know, I think those two uh, can hit. They can move the puck well and so on. If And to me, if Forbert's not physically 100%, I use the depth. Please use the depth that's gotten us successful all year. I mean, I you know if you're not seeing what you what's not, if, I'm sorry, but if he's not practicing well, why is he in game situations? And I do have to uh, highlight one of these tweets from uh, Andrew Johnson from the Short Shift uh, Hockey Podcast on the uh, Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company's uh, podcast network. Uh, he mentions this uh, every time Grizz had the puck. For an outlet, uh, the Panthers' forecheck was non-existent, totally sagged. Having someone they have to respect on the breakouts is the key. A lot of fans don't want to hear it, but Grizz is invaluable to this back end. You have to keep him in. Hashtag NHL Bruins. And I have to agree with Andrew uh, on this one because I did see some good things when he came back into the lineup. So, um, please keep that going. Uh, and if you, I just want the Boston Bruins to understand that if a player is not ready to go in, maybe he shouldn't be. And we need to use that depth. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, I think one of the things I, I talked about heading into the playoffs was if you're playing, you know, if you're playing big, huge mammoth teams with big honking forwards, like St. Louis or like Tampa, um, that's when you want to go more physically on the defense on the back end florida's not that i mean florida's got radko gudis and you know to chuck is a big guy but he's he's fast 
um, you know, the most physical forward they might have is Ryan Lomberg, and he's he's not even six feet tall. So um, this is a fast team. This team is more way more is way faster than they are more physical. So now's the time, right? Now's the time to go to Grizzly. They have they have the options within their personnel to match up according to who they're playing against. And so to me, this is the opportunity where you're playing a fast team, you go with your fast skaters. When you're going with a more physical team, you go with your more physical skaters. So yeah, I think I think Grizzly is is a is sort of a no brainer here for the rest of the series. You play Tampa and you got Patrick Maroon bearing down on you. Maybe that's a little different. But yeah. um, you know, I, I think that now is the time to to get him in. And I'm like you, I would I would have rather seen Clifton. Um, I, I like the Clifton Forbert because Clifton Cowboy Cliffy can go out there and and act like it's the wild, wild west. And Forbert knows sort of how to handle it. Orlov to me is kind of like Clifton to where he'll take chances. And if both guys take chances, then he got nobody back. So yep. um, you know, I, I think uh I think I would go with Clifton on the uh, on the back end and then i think grizz has got to stay in especially because the power play is not looking so so hot either it's still a little shaky i will say that i was in the house uh on wednesday night for game two um and i want to shout out nick tedesco of um bright space media and uh he's also a colleague uh at the black and gold production sports media company uh the guy freaking sprung tickets he's like do you want he called me early that day and he says uh hey i'm gonna i'm I might pull the trigger on tickets. And I said, I just, I can't afford it. That's way too expensive. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'll make it happen. And he made it happen. So we went in and we were up at the rafters on the ninth floor, uh, row one, looking right down. It was absolutely a great time. The outcome sucked, but I will say that we're talking about the, the defense up there. You see, and like you used to see all the time, calling the play by play um, or, or doing the, uh, the uh, announcements. You see the play happening and so on. And what I particularly noticed from that height looking down on the ice was the Boston Bruins defense were not doing enough to push the opposing uh, forwards away from uh, critical areas at the top of the crease. And a couple of those goals that that Almont gave up were really not his fault. It was because there was a lot of shit that was going on in front of him and the Bruins weren't able to move those players in areas to allow all Mark to see the puck coming in at him. So uh, that's got to be tightened up too. You know, I know that uh, Florida plays a heavy game. They're strong. I get it, but we have been too. And and I, I get the re- regular season and the playoffs are different, but you know, what got you here has been successful. Keep it going. Don't, don't give up on anything. I know you guys are tired and so on. And I know it's a very difficult time of the year to, to try to get that extra 10, 20% out of you, but you just got to play the fundamentals as at what, which what got you successful all this season. Yeah. Game four again today at three 30, uh, lots to do. And before uh, the game starts, I am going to hop on a fan duel and uh, real quick, grand slams, no hitters, double plays are all back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than fan duel America's number one sports book an official partner of Major League Baseball. New customers here in Massachusetts can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You just got to sign up at fanduel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads, player props, and much more. I'm a big fan of the parlays, although I don't have a lot of luck with them. Uh, it's it's still pretty fun, um, but I usually just take – I'm still riding the over on Red Sox games because they can't pitch, and they got a bunch <laughs> of good bats. 
So I'm still always going the over on that. Um, uh, but yes, now is your time. You can bet on the app, safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make every moment more. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, 21 and over and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. A $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued is a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Visit gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Mark, have you had a chance yet to... uh, to place any bets here for tonight for today's game or no, I'm going to do that as soon as we're done recording, but I did get in on the action on Friday night a couple times. Cause I like to, you know, place a bet. And then I'm like, well, if that doesn't work, maybe this will bet will work and I can get my money back and so on. But here's my winnings. So I took the Boston Bruins money line, Charlie Coyle, anytime goal scorer, because of the fact is that he was moving up to the top line. Uh, in that game, Pavel Zaka with three shots and Brad Marchand with three shots and $5 paid out 204 hondos. So, yeah, I was excited about that. So, yeah, I love the FanDuel app and I'm going to be definitely in on uh, the Boston Bruins uh, uh, playoffs uh, game four, game five and so on. But I'm also going to be checking out uh, this coming week on Thursday, the Mexico Championship. But it, uh, the uh, purse for that is $7.7 million, so it should be a good tournament. And I'm a big golf guy, so ready to to watch the links and uh, and hopefully win some money as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I like to do – I like to get on the Celtics too, especially because they're playing a crappy team in the first round. And those are easy too because it's like, you know, Jason Tatum over 20 points. It's like, well, that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, if it doesn't yeah. happen, he's hurt or something. So <laughs> you can kind of find those sneaky – Sneaky ones, and then, like you said, parlay them on top of each other and do the best. So, yes, fanduel.com slash Boston. Um, we talked, to, we were talking a little bit about the defense, and I, I wanted to just give a quick shout out to Charlie McAvoy. Uh, he tied his career high in hits in two games in this series. Um, that hit that he laid at the beginning of game three, you talk about setting the tone, and I've talked about this in the past. Sometimes it's not even a big hit, it's a loud hit, it's something that gets. Uh, that can swing the momentum. Um, when we talk about who's going to be the next captain of this team after Bergeron, I mean, this guy has shown through three games that he is the man. He is, he runs the show back there on defense. It is Charlie McAvoy's defense, and maybe he'll allow other people to play in it. Um, <laughs> but I've just been so impressed with, with McAvoy and um, how noticeable he is. Sometimes, Especially on defense, guys, it'll be the second period. You're like, I haven't heard this guy's name mentioned yet. McAvoy is not that guy. He has been absolutely everywhere for this team through three games. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it speaks volumes when a player like Taylor Hall, um, who, who has had a really good series thus far, um, really hustling out there, um, uh, mentions Charlie McAvoy's and, and that hit, that, 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 traditional like Ray Bork style like hit um, just setting the tone for the game never mind what what happened in the game but that was like a turning point right there where the Bruins really bought in to the physicality and let's 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 lock it down 
And if they're going to hit us, we'll hit them. Um, he, he's just a, a, a truck out there on the ice. And I, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that he's a, he would be a, a fantastic captain in the future. You know, obviously learning from uh, great legends like uh, uh, Zidane Chara and, and, and now Patrice Bergeron, whether on the ice or off the ice at the moment. Uh, these are things that he's going to bring to the future when he wears the C. And, um, and obviously, he'll do the same thing. You know, it's a trickle-down effect. It's all about, you know, teaching, learning, and, and, and you know, um, uh, bringing up the next one, the next leader that's going to run this team and, and, and be the voice. So uh, I just love the way he plays. And, you know, sooner or later, this guy's going to get a, a, a Norris trophy. You know, I mean, I know his points are probably not going to always be so, so you know, bright in, in – voters eyes but his contributions on the ice and and what he does and how many impacts he does or makes every game has to be noticed sooner or later um i have a quick charlie mcavoy story um that sort of talks a little bit about his his character so when i'm introduced when i was introducing the starting lineups charlie mcavoy passed the word up to me after a game that he didn't like that I was saying his name longer than everybody else's. He said, it's not, he said, I don't, my name, I don't want my name being longer than, than, you know, it, I, he, he said I was making it bigger than everybody else's name. And he didn't want that. He wanted everybody's name to be, you know, equal. And the irony is that the only reason why I was doing that is because I have 40 seconds to do all the names. So by the time I get down to number five, and then I go, right, I'd go, he was usually the second defenseman, and then I would announce the goalie. So I would sort of hold the, you know, Charlie, I'd sort of hold it longer, so I had time to look up at the clock to see how much time I had left. So the reason I was doing that was to buy myself <laughs> time to look at the clock. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll just, you know, kind of wing it. Because, you know, if I only have 10, if I have 10 seconds to do the goalie, then I got to do it quick, you know. Um, but yeah, he, he said, I want everybody to be equal when you're announcing this. I don't want my name to go any longer than anybody else's. So again, a Man, little bit, respect. a little bit of character, you know, like, you know, everybody's the same. And again, that's like you said, it's right out of the Zidane Chara playbook. It's right out of the Patrice Bergeron playbook. Um, so I, I look forward to that. People talk about giving it to Marchand for a year or two. Uh, I would, I, I wouldn't do that. I would just give it to Charlie McAvoy for the next eight years and, and, and roll with it. Um, there you go. Speaking of Chara, your boy, uh, 26.2 miles in the Boston Marathon, three hours, 38 minutes. Um, it's been 10 years since the since the marathon bombing. Um, I, I, I thought that I thought that was awesome. I mean, I, I'm not like a, the biggest marathon guy. I, I mean, out here in Western Mass, we don't you know, you don't care about us. And sometimes we don't care about you. Um, but uh, the marathon, obviously, this is a big one. This is 10 years um and i'll tell you what he looked great man he looked like he could go right out there and, and smash somebody in the boards again too yeah yeah i mean an emotional day altogether you know um not only just for the boston bruins on that particular monday um but you know as these runners are going through and 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 uh Zeno chara just going out there doing uh the run for for two awesome foundations uh you know all charitable and so on and the guy continues just to be uh, a great, great uh, ambassador to the community for the Boston Bruins, um, you know, and, and as a big man, you know, it, it's, that's got to be a hard, a hard task, even though that you're a physically fit athlete and so on, you know, how tall you are and how much, how much, you know, 
wear and tear on your legs. You know, that's 26 miles. I, I have a hard enough time doing a half a mile. Jesus. But anyway, um, but no, it was like I said, it was an emotional time. There were uh, folks that had uh, family members that passed uh, in the uh, Boston Marathon 10 years ago. And they were uh, with Adam McQuaid uh, on Monday and they did the uh, the 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 banner wave, which I thought was a class act from the Boston Bruins to have those people who lost loved ones. And, and also a, another Bruins, um, you know, former player and well-respected member in the Bruins community out there to, uh, to be with those folks to, um, you know, kick off the, uh, that particular game in this playoff series. So, uh, you know, it was a, it was a tough day to, uh, of remembrance for everybody, but you know, we are Boston and we are Massachusetts and, we, we move on. We, you know, we just, this is how, this is what we do. And, um, you know, but we never forget those who, um, who lost lives that day or any other tragic moment in the United States history. Yeah. And, and I want to give a quick shout out to, uh, I believe it was Joe Haggerty. You know, this is why I, you know, we're both big Twitter guys and people like Twitter, Twitter sucks. And it's, but there were, there were, there were sports reporters there that, instantaneously were no longer sports reporters. They were news journalists, you know, providing information about what was going on, where people could go to get help on that day. Um, you know, from a, from a journalistic standpoint, sometimes you have to take off your sports hat or your meteorological hat or whatever it is that you cover. And you have to get down into the news in a live situation. And I mean, I, I think it was Haggerty who I got most of the information from. I remember I was coaching lacrosse. We're in the middle of a game, and I'm spending the whole time on my phone trying to figure out what the hell's going on here in Boston. Um, but it was, you know, I wasn't following news people. I was following sports people, and those sports people yep. did an amazing job of of telling us what was going on in real time. And, you know, things like Twitter are a, a resource for that. I don't know. Whenever there's breaking news, I don't go to – fox.com or nb you know nbc.com i go to twitter yeah i mean really you go to twitter and, and you you know you you get to the stories from the people those people aren't writing articles about it in real time and posting it to the website or the newspaper they're tweeting about it in real time and that was sort of the first exposure to me of of again breaking again I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie so having that news come um from the sources it came from at that time was 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 really interesting and then tip of the hat to those guys. They could have, they could have taken off and run the other direction and pretended like they weren't there, but they didn't, they, they stayed and they, they got involved. And again, tip of the hat to the people of Watertown. I was always so amazed that uh, they tell you, you know, there's a suspect in Watertown, everybody stay in your house and keep your eye out for anything that looks suspicious. New, you know, you can't do that in New York city. You can't do that in Brooklyn. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's tell everybody just well, yeah. Tell everybody to stay inside. Like, no, we have things to do. You know what I mean? Watertown was like, right. nope, shut it down. Everybody get inside. Turn off your lights. And then I think it was a resident who found one of the suspects in the boat in his backyard. Yep. Like, yep. that's badass. That's badass. So, um, you know, with all the terrible things that happened on that day, um, I always try to look at the silver lining. Right, look for the helpers, and. Um, and, and, you know, here we are 10 years later already. I can't believe it. But, yeah, an emotional day. That, like you said, I, uh, the Bruins having some of the, the family members there was great. Having Chara there was awesome. Um, and, and, again, it's just it's so cool to me that Chara, you know, he's still kind of around, right? He's still kind of hanging around. He didn't just go back to his home country and, 
never come back again. You know, being that tall in a city like Boston, man, you stick out. So, you know, of all the times that he's rode his bike to the garden and done this kind of stuff, he's kind of a man of the people. And I thought it was kind of easier for him to run it because he's got these massive strides. Everybody else runs like this. He runs like this, you know, Um, he probably did it in half the steps, but, um, but no, congratulations to him. And and it was a, it was a good weekend. Um, Again, sort of a bittersweet weekend from the, uh, from the mayor. Um, let's take a minute to hear from our friends at Action Electronics. We're uh, thrilled to have them part of our show. For over 30 years, Action Electronics and Walpole uh, has been leading the way for value-added, time-saving supply chain solutions. You can visit them online at actionelectronics.com. Uh, give their customer service a call as well, 508-668-3131, and follow the company's social media accounts. Uh, they're super busy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so um give them a follow and see what they're up to you can also follow their youtube channel as well action tv 9086 for action electronics youtube channel um and uh, uh we're, we're just we're thrilled to have them uh, have them here another local company that wants to get involved in what we do they've been around for 30 years trustworthy bunch so uh very happy to have the folks at action electronics Absolutely. And uh, we want to thank them because uh, after two ad reads or two uh, commercials that we're doing, they've upped, they've doubled their um, financial support for us. So we want to thank Action Electronics for going uh, above and beyond for us as we're we're trying to get the word out about them. But uh, to give everybody a better idea what they do, let's uh, uh, check out this uh, brief commercial. Supply chain accounts for a significant expense within any business. We call this true cost exposure. Action Electronics is the first choice when looking to add value to your development and production process, allowing you to reduce costs within the supply chain. We will fully customize our services to fit your needs, making sure you are getting the best solution possible. Not only are we trusted and certified, but we have the tools to get the job done right and on time. I guess you can say we have this thing down to a science. Action Electronics, time-saving solutions for over 25 years. Absolutely. We want to thank uh, Action Electronics, Nick Tedesco, Barry. Those guys over there are absolutely amazing. And uh, like I said, if if you guys have anything that you know, you need, um, for your business. These are the people to, uh, to get things done for you in a timely fashion. So glad to have them. Yeah. And again, if you, uh, run a business big or small and you want to get involved, um, again, we got a, we got a pretty, pretty good platform here with a pretty good listening audience. So again, we don't want to fill our whole show with ads obviously, but, um, we're happy to talk about some of the ways that we can get your company involved in, in, um, and becoming a part of our show or the black and gold uh, network as well. I mean, we're, we're, we're thrilled that we'll scratch your back. You scratch ours, you know, Absolutely. Um, and we're, we're very happy to have them and, and anybody else feel, like I said, feel free to reach out to Mark um, for those kind of opportunities. Yep. Um, all right. I, uh, I liked Jim Montgomery's answer on this one. Um, it is game four today. Who are you starting in goal? Mark Allred today. A very interesting conversation that's been going on Twitter and uh, obviously in in the uh, in the pressers uh, with Coach Jim Montgomery, um, and that is uh, goaltending. Is you know we 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 talked about it during the regular season as the 
as the uh, 2022-23 campaign was coming to a close, is 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 Linus Allmark and, and Jeremy Swayman have worked so well together, you know, basically playing every other game on, on a given schedule. Is it out of the mind or out of the realm to think about maybe going to that, um, you know, one game, Allmark, one game Swayman kind of scenario throughout the rest of the playoffs? Um, and I kind of push back because I'm a – I'm a traditionalist and, and I'm a former goaltender myself, never in NHL or any pro, but you know, it's, it's um, if you've gotten a team that far, you want, you want the reins. And I could see all Mark really wanted to, to be that guy, but I also see the way these two work together as a, as a family member, as you know, these guys are an amazing tandem. Um, you know, the Vesna trophy was uh, won by all Mark, the, they both shared the William Jennings trophy. So we have a one, a one, a situation right here. So I feel confident in any decision that uh, goalie Bob Asenza has to make when he, when he's uh, given the opportunity to give his um, opinion about who should start. And, and if Jeremy Swayman's in this game, hopefully he plays well, but maybe it might start a new trend in the NHL that, you know, to save, one goaltender and his energy, we might need to run uh, a, a typical tandem like we do in the regular season. So, um, you know, if, if it happens, it happens. And if Swayman can can grasp and get this W and a 3-1 lead in the series against the Florida Panthers, I'm all for it. I'm all for good decisions that have positive results. Yeah, and, and I keep seeing this narrative, well, well like you can't do that because – uh, you know, well, what happens if it gets to a game seven and it's Jeremy Swayman's turn? Like it, it's to me, it's got to be spotty, right? It's got to be the right spot at the right time. Um, this game in particular to me feels like the right time to give Swayman a game because you are, you do have the series lead. You do have it coming home back to Boston um, for the next game, even if you do lose. And, you know, quite frankly, and I understand the year that he's had, um, Allmark has not proven two things one that he can win long term in the playoffs or two that he can uh, successfully play every single game over the course of two months neither one of those things has been proven so why don't we save him from his from himself a little bit and sprinkle in some jeremy swayman games and i'm not saying you know this goes to game seven and Olmark's played three in a row so now it's time to go back to swayman no you stick with what works but but picking and choosing your spots where you can uh, sprinkle in uh, Jeremy Swayman to me sounds like a great idea. Um, and like you said, Mark, just based off of the, the season that they've had, it's it's worked so well this season to this point. Um, <clears throat> I see no reason why, why they wouldn't do it other than tradition, right? And yeah. I think I've talked about this in the past where like, you know, the, the days of a starting pitcher in baseball going not pitching nine innings and throwing 130 pitches, that's over. That doesn't happen anymore. That's how it always was, but now they, they go three and a half innings and they pitch 60 balls and that's it. So yep. things change over time. They, they do. They, they, they change, and, and this might be, like you said, a trend that, that they're going to set moving forward. And not only that, you got to think about the break in the schedule as well because uh, after today's uh, game at 3.30 in the afternoon, there's two days. Obviously, they're traveling back to Boston for game five on Wednesday. And then they go back to an, an every other day schedule. Um, but this might be a good opportunity if Allmark is is uh, hindering by uh, some kind of small 
nagging injury that's not going to keep him out of the lineup, but something that he needs to continue to work with his trainers, whether it be a pulled muscle or a sore or something like that. Uh, but given a game to Jeremy Swayman today and then have Allmark rest up for a ga- uh, game five at the Garden, it's not a bad idea at all. Um, you know, it's it, I kind of think that I, I have faith. Now, listen, I, I said this on the live stream, uh, on the What's Brewing live stream on Monday night. Um, I, I'm fully on board with this tandem, but I wouldn't be on board with a tandem of, like, you remember the back in the – Back in the day, the pundits were saying, trade Jeremy Swayman, all marks the man. And then you'd have to bring up a guy like Keith Kincaid. This is a situation I would not want Keith Kincaid to, to play in. Agreed. Um, you know, we have the 1A, 1A. It's it's Both of them are, are very well loved by this team, very well trusted by the guys that, that know that they're the last line of defense and we have their back and they have ours. Um, I think it's going to work, but um, I wouldn't poo-poo on it. And and you're absolutely right about the spot starts and not like, oh, it's his turn. This is what goalie Bob and even Mike Dunham have been very good at, is just watching practices, watching them train and so on, getting a feel of how their day is going. And at the at a moment's notice, they'd be like, you know what? I'm seeing something that I haven't seen before. This might not be a good time to start this particular goaltender. It's it's Jim Montgomery not having full faith in his decision about goaltending, but going to the experts and getting their opinions about them is, is, is probably the most important thing that we've seen in the past couple of years when these goaltending coaches are asked about who do you think is better and who should go. Yeah. And, and, you know, one other thing from a narrative perspective, what happens if you start Omar today and he doesn't look great and he gives up five goals, then, then it's, then, then you have a goalie controversy, right? Then it's, well, are oh, you yeah. going to start Swayman game five? Like, now you got to start Swayman. It, it, so it's almost like they would be able to get out in front of that. Like, it, there's no goalie controversy because the first guy hasn't sucked yet. So let's go right. to let's go to Swayman, and guess what? If Swayman gives up four or five goals and he gets yanked, he gets yanked. And you go back to, to Allmark. But if Allmark goes out there and gets shelled, then that's going to be the narrative for the next three days as well. It's got to be Swayman now, right? It's got to be, you can't, you know, you can't go back to this guy. So, so I almost think it would be a good idea for them, you know, off the ice to start Swayman just so that they can get ahead of the goalie controversy narrative. You know, yep. if Swayman, if Swayman goes out there and makes 40 saves in a shutout, uh, you're still comfortable going back to Olmark, right? So like the, 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 the worst case scenario is Swayman gets, you know, Swayman gets shelled and you go back to your starter. Like that's the worst case. So um, I, I would, I would strongly consider, I think it's a perfect spot. Like we said, spot starts. This is the perfect spot to do it. Um, yeah. On the other side, <clears throat> do you go with that pissant Alex Lyon, or do you go with uh, uh, the, the $6 million uh, paperweight and Sergei Bobrovsky, $10 million, million. paperweight, Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> I know there's no uh, there's no salary cap in the playoffs, but um, yeah, it's just uh, he is kind of a paperweight. But he must be fuming not to be able to get in the action um, as a veteran goaltender. But you got to get hats off to Alex Linen on the other side. The guy really uh, put forth a, a solid effort to get this Florida Panthers team uh, into the playoffs, and and you know uh, he played well and 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 deserved. Uh, some recognition about getting into uh, the, the, the three games. 
Um, but I, I think Paul Maurice is probably going to go with uh, the a veteran this afternoon. I, I would actually be shocked if Lyon is in that, but um, I would think Bobrovsky would get the nod to see what they have for him in Game Four. Uh, as a you know, it's the series is not quite over yet, but um, we'll see what happens. But uh, again, the Boston Bruins, it doesn't matter who's in net. You have to capitalize on your opportunities, particularly your power play. Um, please get shots on quality shots and so on. That front presence needs to be um, a little better. I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I think game one was not a great, a great win, but they found ways to sustain that three to one lead throughout uh, or the three to nothing lead throughout a majority of the game. Um, Tuesday was, just, I mean, Wednesday was just a shit show, um, you know, and then, and the Bruins are 15 and two, when they give up a stinker and they, and in the next game, they figure it out and get back in the win column. So, you know, even though I was there and my boy Nick spent ridiculous amounts of money on tickets, that was, it was a stinker. It's, it, it happens. It happens, but you know, um, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words. <laughs> I, I would just like to personally say, fuck Alex Lyon. Uh, that's the guy who uh, was on the Chicago Wolves last year, beat Springfield in the Calder Cup Finals, and then double birded uh, the entire Mass Mutual Center. Just walked around flipping the birds like he was Mister Bean. Um, wow! And then they, if if you look up the Chicago Wolves pick picture on the ice, where the entire team is giving birds to the camera, the wow. entire team. So f that guy. Um, yeah, that's kind of that is and, shitty. And. Quite frankly, I think that the Bruins have made him look good through three games. The most of the shot, I mean, he hasn't, a lot of the goals he's given up were terrible goals, but I don't think they've really challenged him the way that they could. Um, I think they've sort of made him look better than he is over the course of the last three games. So, agreed. F that guy. I hope he, uh, I hope, I hope he starts and then they score nine on him. That, <laughs> that would be, that would be nice. I'd appreciate that for sure. Um, so I know we mentioned it a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier. But uh, speaking of speaking of the A, um, T Birds lose, so the Hartford Wolfpack will now be heading to Providence to take on the Bruins again. That's a best of five series that'll start in Providence. Um, like you said, it's been a long, long time coming for for Providence. They haven't played in a long time, but um, I don't know. As somebody who's been in the arenas all season. Uh, to me, it seems like Providence is an absolute wagon. Yeah, uh, this is a, a great year. Um, uh, I do want to bring this up right now for the folks. Uh, obviously, the YouTube viewers can see the schedule. Uh, but I'll tell you, the game one is Friday, April 28th at 7.05 at the Amp. Uh, game two is Saturday, April 29th at 7.05 at the Amp. Games three and four are on the road uh, in Hartford at the XL Center, and Game 5 uh, is back at the AMP on May 7th. Um, so uh, it should be an interesting – it's been – um, should be an interesting series. Uh, but, you know, just like the Boston Bruins, with uh, with a massive amount of rest, uh, there's concerns about, um, you know, we haven't had game action in a long time. I know I know Ryan Mujanel and Trent Whitfield and Matt Thomas have really worked these guys in practices – like you mentioned earlier, there is a, a, a scrimmage today to get these guys up and running, get get them some kind of game action. Uh, but to recap on the season, the Providence Bruins uh, captured the Atlantic uh, Division title um, 
And in 72 games, they have 44 wins, 18 losses, eight and two, a record, 98 points. Their home record is 29, five and two. Their away record uh, for the season is 24, nine and three. Um, and the Wolfpack finished fifth in the Atlantic with a 35, 26, four and seven, 80, 81 points. Uh, Providence is four, three and three in the 10 games uh, this season. So kind of it's kind of uh, split down the middle between these two clubs. So it is going to be a good um, a good series. Obviously, you did mention that the the Wolfpack swept the first round, best of three series against the Thunderbirds. Um, so, like I said, the, the the Providence Bruins have had literally twelve days off, or will have twelve days off before uh, this Friday's game at the Amp. So um, it should be interesting. Uh, and, and Providence has had some recent additions, Brett Harrison, Mason Lowry, Trevor Kuntar, um, uh, Jonathan Myrenberg from uh, Europe. Um, uh, Reed Dick is in the building he, uh, as an extra goaltender, just probably there for the pro experience. Um, so there is some really good pieces that uh, will be available to play. So I, I, I expect the uh, Providence to do well. And, when, if, and when uh, the the Black Aces are fully called, I I could see the veterans, Vinny Letary, um, or Yuna Companion, and so on, uh, get the call up, and 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 all the younger prospects uh, get that call to cup playoff experience. They're skating. They're not a Black Ace and just practicing and sitting watching any games. They're actually participating uh, in some kind of postseason run. So. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I, I really hope that the uh, the Providence Bruins uh, put together a nice Calder Cup playoff run because it's been a while. 1998-99 uh, se- uh, season well, when they when they um, I had notes they had a, an unbelievable year in an 80 games uh, campaign, winning the franchise's first. Um, uh, I think um, six years after coming to Providence from the Maine Mariners when they had their American Hockey League affiliate up in Portland, Maine. So it uh, should be exciting. Get your tickets. Tickets are cheap. Um, it, the uh, the AMP is a great place to watch a game. Very comfortable seats um, and, you know, good atmosphere. Uh, and I, I'm probably going to see that place packed because uh, it is one of the, the higher – uh, attended uh, venues in the uh, American Hockey League, so should be exciting. And 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 Steve, I'm sorry that your your Thunderbirds uh, got swept and so on because I was really looking forward to the banter between me and you. Um, probably be a divorce on this uh, podcast, but still. Um. Well, I mean, what what hurts what hurts is that I you know I made the, the executive decision as a parent and as a husband to leave the Bruins and go back to the Thunderbirds. And as a full-time employee with my real job and the Thunderbirds couldn't get out of the first round, the Bruins are going to probably win the whole damn thing. So right. that's a, that's a real kick in the nuts, you know, but um, it is what it is. I, I would be, I would be a little worried for Providence though, because they are so young and they haven't played in a while. Those two things are dangerous. Um, Hartford, Hartford comes at you hard. They come out at you fast. Um, they have a nice mix of vets and, and young guys. And, you know, again, I, I saw one game of Mason Lowry against Springfield at the end of the regular season. And I, I got to be honest, it wasn't good. Um, at one point, I haven't seen this in years, but at one point, Hugh McGing just skated circles around him and put him in a blender. And, you know, Lowry is huge. 
and Huma Gang 5'11", super fast, just literally skated circles around him. Um, so they're going to have a lot to learn in a very short amount of time if they want to do this. And if you lose the, the Copanons and the Letaries, you know, you're going to be asking a lot of Lizelle and Merkulov, and even those guys are, are young. You know, yep. they're going to be they're going to be oh. the old vets on the team. Um, and if you don't get Bussy back, then you're looking at Kyle Kaiser, who is not as good. So um, that'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, luckily, I don't think the Wolfpack goalie's good either. They just Thunderbirds couldn't even get a freaking shot on him. Pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, so uh, the only other thing we had on the agenda, we did have one uh, question that was brought to us on Twitter. Uh, but I wanted to bring this up to um, looks like the Bruins are going to have to pay uh, about four and a half million dollars in salary cap penalties um, for signing Bergeron and Krejci. Uh, is that is that the kind of number mark that just like you pay once and you're done with it? Is that or is that like rolled into your cap number? How does that all kind of work? Yeah, so what happens is uh, Patrice Bergeron and, and David Krejci came in on million-dollar contracts to make it work for, well, what could be their last season, hopefully not. Um, but to make it work in the salary cap, they came in and signed a $1 million deal each, or, or uh, $1 million and $2 million, uh, to make it work. But the, uh, the bonuses, the incentive bonuses after that, um, will be involved into next year. So uh, the salary cap next season, uh, you might look at the number on Puckpedia and say, oh, it's not so bad. But then again, um, you know, once you make additions and so on, you need to sign or you need to re-sign Orloff, Hathaway, and and um, and uh, who am I who am I forgetting? Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. Um, these these numbers uh, suck to hear because it's going to roll into next next year's cap. So it's, that's going to be a little hindrance on, um, on, the, uh, on the work of the amazing Evan Gold for next season. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Boston Bruins will work something out. Um, there's even you know, rumors out there that could this be the last year of Taylor Hall? Uh, could we move him to get an asset and also shed $6 million in salary to kind of make up for some differences um, cap-wise? Uh, that could happen, but... Uh, it's purely speculation at this point, but uh, like I said, Evan Gold's going to have uh, a little bit of juggling to do, like he's been doing on a daily basis throughout this 2022-23 uh, regular season. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm already trying to look up lines on Twitter. I don't see any 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 lines posted yet for the Bruins or starters, but uh, we'll keep our eye on it. Um, yeah, I think Taylor Hall is a good one. Uh, good, and, and again, I I don't think. I think Connor Clifton's going to want more money than the Bruins are going to be willing to pay. So you can take him off the books. Um, so it'll be a little bit of juggling. I don't know what Krejci's future is going to hold. Um, you know, so he, he might be coming off the, so, so they'll, they'll have some moving parts and some moving pieces. And um, yep. I don't even know what Trent Frederick's deal is. I, I don't remember if he's, if, if, if this is the end of his contract or if he's an RFA, I don't even, I'm not even sure, but there are going to be younger guys that are going to want to get paid. Um, I, I think that the best thing that they did, despite the Pasternak contract taking forever, was that they locked in Marsh. Um, they locked in Pasternak. They locked in McAvoy. They've locked in Lindholm. They've locked in Zaka. So a lot of those guys that probably, if they were free agents, could could be asking for more money than they're making. Um, they're already kind of locked in. So I think that that's that's a huge benefit for them as they uh, as they move into next season. But yeah, a guy like Taylor Hall, I think, is somebody that 
could be replaced for a cheaper option. Um, you know, let's hope that let's hope he contributes to them winning a cup, though. I think that'd be good for him. He'd get paid absolutely um, coming out of it too. So, um, yeah, but not only that, it's a good it's a good resume thing for him. You know, when he's if he's looking for uh, a trading partner, I'm not sure if um, if Taylor Hall has another year on contract or not, but still. Uh, if he wins a cup this year, I think that's going to be an attractive thing for other teams out in the uh, in the rest of the NHL to give him a look and say, this is a type of guy that can still bring it offensively and still kind of be a, uh, one of those quiet leaders in a lineup that could contribute at his age. So, um, you know, there's, there might be some situations where he could be moved, but definitely this, the salary cap is going to be uh, one of the biggest issues during the offseason. Yeah, Hall is signed through 2024-25. Uh, another year. 23-24, he's making 6.2. 24-25, he's making 5.2. So, uh, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know. Yeah. Uh, for your third line your third line guy, you know. And um, like you said, I think that would be great for his resume for a team that wants some instant offense. Uh, it would be great for him to win a cup. I mean, I don't know. What, I, don't, I don't think I would consider him a Hall of Famer. But uh, this would put him pretty damn close to getting those opportunities, especially if he puts together a, a really nice run here. So um, so there you go. There's a little bit on the cap situation. Um, I know we did get a question late last night, Mark. Uh, yep. I know we touched on it a little bit, but I don't know if you wanted to pop that up. And we can hear from Matt. <clears throat> Matt Z, my boy Matt Z. He loves his uh, his craft beers. I always hang out. Well, not always, but we hang out when I go down to Providence and he brings me to some cool places to have some uh, adult beverages. So he says no voicemail. Come on, Matt, call the number 978-504-2727. But my question is, even if 46, David Krejci, is healthy, why would you break up 88, David Pasternak, 18, Pavel Zaka, and 59, Tyler Pertuzzi? What are your lines if 37... And 46 are playing. Very interesting question, Matt. Thank you very much. I don't, I, I, I didn't do my homework as I, as I'm sure Steve did, but, uh, um, I did have my notes somewhere from a previous, uh, episode that we did and I can't find them, but, um, it's so hard to take certain players out. Um, you know, Nick Foligno is a, is a, an emotional leader to this team. And, and he got back in the lineup, and I think he's done pretty damn good so far. Um, nice goal the other night. Yep. That's how uh, Tyler Bertuzzi has been playing really well. So, uh, you know, you can't you can't force him out of the lineup. I think Trent Frederick's been playing good. Um, it, to be honest with you, I really don't have an answer for this one because we're a team that just has so much depth. It's a good problem to have, but it would really suck for a player who's uh, who's gotten – who's helped the team thus far uh, have to sit, you know, that's an emotional toll that that, that particular individual is going to have to go through, but it's part of the business. It's part of winning. You know, it's, it's part of uh, Jim Montgomery putting the best lineup out there on a, on a game by game basis, whether it be the regular season or the postseason, and, and hopefully getting the results that we all expect. Yeah. I- I know this is going to sound weird, but I, I feel like the second and third lines are the two most important lines on this team. If they're, if they're impacting the game positively, they're going to win. If they are no showing, then the team's in trouble. 
Uh, we know what we're going to get from that top line. The, the second and third lines to me are, are so important. Um, that's why I would stick with what has been working. I wouldn't break up that that Zaka uh, Bertuzzi Pasternak line. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it. Um, the answer is first question: If David Krejci's healthy, I sit him. I, I don't play yeah. him at all. I, I, it's and you hate to say that for a guy like Krejci, but I, I don't touch. I don't touch any of those lines. Um, if Bergeron comes back. You put him in his normal spot. You drop Charlie Coyle back down to the third line, and, and you roll. Um, but to me, Krejci, I, I, I think Krejci really tailed off at the end of the regular season. I think that he hasn't really blown anybody's hair back um, so far in the playoffs. He's even did he play in game one? It's funny. I, I he's done so little. I can't even remember if he, he if he played he, at all. He played game one. He played yeah. in game two, and then was. Um, <laughs> Out, out for game three. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would just, uh, I would maybe keep him on the shelf as long as you can. I think that would be beneficial to him. I don't want David Krejci at 80%. So let, let him sit till he's a hundred percent or let him sit until that second line becomes stagnant. And once it does, like you said, you Jim Montgomery, you throw all the names in a blender and you pop them out. Like they're the Powerball numbers as to, as to who's playing <laughs> where, um, but I no, I would sit. I would sit Krejci as long as you can, as especially if the other lines are are playing effectively. So, yep. uh, but let's get Bergeron awesome. back as soon as we can, if we can. So, yeah, absolutely, we need that guy. Um, and again, if you guys have any questions for us, comments, concerns, um, you can give us a, a call. Mark mentioned the number nine seven eight five zero four two seven two seven. You can always uh, send us a message on social media, on Twitter in particular, hashtag Ask B and G. We're happy to uh, to answer those and we'll pop your tweet right up on the screen like we just did for Matt. Um, but uh, yeah, day or night, you can get in touch with us that way. And we are coming uh, closer towards the end of the month, which means that um, we are going to be giving away a jer- jersey, what, next week? Is that right? Yes, sir. Very last Sunday uh, or whenever we do the next podcast, Steve. Uh, we're going to be giving away this Jerry Cheevers 1985 Hall of Fame inscribed fully great signature and fully um uh authenticated by jsa this is a great jersey from our boy bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia and this is only one dollar folks so if you want to be eligible to win this jersey and future monthly jersey giveaways uh we get jerseys from current players and alumni if you want to be eligible please go to uh, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate one dollar per episode we do four possibly six episodes a month very small investment uh but it helps us pay the uh, the bills here at our small sports media company but also we take half of what half of your dollar each episode and we put it into buying these jerseys these jerseys are are not cheap but they're not expensive but um, it's a great way to say thanks uh, to our financial supporters uh, because you guys really do mean a lot to us. And and we're obviously getting more and more Patreons uh, every month. And um, sooner or later, I do have to get with Bruce. And um, I'm going to order a Sean Thornton hand-signed jersey for a giveaway and an Adam McQuaid hand-signed jersey for the giveaway. And, um and get ready for next season as well. We'll do another big prize pack and maybe maybe another Ray Bork prize pack or even step up our game and do a Bobby Orr prize pack. Who knows? But nice. it, more Patreons we get, the more opportunities we have to give back to you, 
our favorite financial supporters. So thank you very much uh, to everybody who's uh, who's helped us out. Also, don't forget that we do have some uh, different uh, openings for you here. If you always wanted to be a writer, you want to be a podcaster, you want to be a part of uh, everything that goes on here at BNG, you can certainly do that as well. Reach out to Mark. Uh, again, if you're uh, you're retired, looking for something to do, or you're a young kid who just wants to get into the business, uh, reach out. We'll see if we can work something out. We'll see if we can get you uh, a, a spot to write, a spot to talk, a spot to do uh, really whatever you want. So um, reach out to Mark anytime. Again, you see his Twitter handles right there. Um, you know, um, again, you can call that hotline too and get in touch with us and we'll, we'll, we'll fire back to you, but, uh, we'd be happy to uh, always looking to expand here at BNG and we'd be happy to do so. So keep that in mind as well. Absolutely. Um, looking forward again today, uh, we're recording on Sunday. So three 30 today is game, uh, four, uh, Wednesday. Then they get a couple days off Wednesday at seven o'clock. Uh, they'll be back at home at the garden, taking on the Panthers. Again, if necessary, Friday would be game six down in Florida, a time to be determined. And then Sunday would be game seven if they need it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and that would be back here at Boston again to be determined a time. So uh, that's what we can look forward to this week. We'll see what the goaltending situation looks like on both sides here for uh, here for this game today. But I'll tell you, nothing better than a Sunday 3.30 playoff hockey game. Uh, I'm really fired up for this. Um, and uh, this is great. This is a great time, Mark. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, possibly going up to three to one, coming back for the for a season winner on Wednesday night. Um, that would be amazing. And uh, I and hopefully it really settles some Boston Bruins fans out there because we've been spoiled all season. We really have. And and, you know, that 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 stinker they gave up on when on Wednesday night really put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. That, you know, even though it was a series tied 1-1 and that game, that 6-3 to loss, there was a lot of people that say, well, the series is over. I'm packing it in. And, you know, you can't just do that. This is not a, a one or two game series. It's a it's a best of uh, it's a, you know, four out of seven. So give the give the team a chance to readjust and so on before you start jumping off your the highest point in your uh, in your local community. And by the way, keep in mind, they're the better team. I know <laughs> they're the better team. So, so, exactly. you know, there's no need to freak out. They are the better team. They are better than the Florida Panthers. So yeah, all, all, it'll all work itself out. Uh, we're just here for the ride and we'll enjoy it while we're doing it. So um, again, um, we want to give a big thank you to our friends at FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash Boston, uh, make a $10 deposit, make a $5 bet. You win 200 bucks in bonus bets right there in your account. Bang. Um, so a big, big thanks to them and, uh, go bees. Happy hockey. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the black and gold hockey podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple podcasts and Spotify podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. 
Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.